This WBEZ podcast is supported by Ravinia, with over 100 concerts under the stars this summer, including Daryl Hall and Elvis Costello, Nora Jones with special guest Mavis Staples, the Beach Boys with special guest John Stamos, Shaggy and TLC, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and more. Their 30-acre park is nestled in a gently wooded area. Bring your own picnic or eat at one of the park restaurants. Tickets available now only at ravinia.org. Good afternoon, I'm Erin Allen, and this is The Rundown. One of the things that brings people to Chicago and keeps them here is how easy it is to get around without a car. I can ride my bike in a dedicated bike lane, I can take the train to all the places I need to go in the city, and I can do something that a lot of us city folks take for granted. I can use the sidewalk with pretty much no problem. But I can say all of that because I'm not living with a disability that limits my mobility. All kinds of folks in Chicago do have this type of disability, whether they're unable to see signals and barriers in the street or unable to wheel around them. For these folks, it's not as easy to get around. Today, we're going to talk about why that is. Yochai Eisenberg is an assistant professor of disability and human development at UIC. He's also a researcher at the Great Lakes ADA Center. Yochai, hello. Hello, Erin. Great to be here. Thanks. Great to have you. So who is using sidewalks in most cities and communities? Um, I mean, it's a lot of times people who are commuting to work, right, are the biggest users of sidewalks. Um, (laughs) We see people on scooters and bikes nowadays, uh, frustratingly, (laughs) using sidewalks. Um, And then I I think one of the interesting things that people don't know is people with disabilities actually walk for trips and take transit for trips at a higher percentage than people without disabilities. Um, Sidewalks are a a key piece of infrastructure. And people who uh, with disabilities who are navigating on sidewalks are are using them but still encountering barriers and finding ways of navigating around those barriers. A lot of times you may see people who use wheelchairs navigating in the street using the bike lane uh, instead of the sidewalk um, when when they encounter barriers um, Mm. as well. Let's talk about the types of barriers. What would be a barrier? Yeah. You know, give me some examples. Yeah, definitely. So um, there's the pedestrian signals themselves. Um, the city of Chicago had a big lawsuit. I think it was 2021 related to the lack of fully accessible pedestrian signals that have the beeping or auditory signal yeah. for a crossing. And there's, you know, they found something like 99% of the signals in Chicago don't have this. And so... The lawsuit set out a plan for uh, moving forward and and removing those barriers and making more fully accessible pedestrian signals. Um, There's attitudinal barriers, um, the ways that, uh, you know, people without disabilities in society view people with disabilities and the kind of experience that people have as a person with a disability, how they they feel treated by other people and looked at and and that whole experience. if you think about sidewalks, right, there's can be uh, surface problems with the sidewalk. Tree roots lift the sidewalk up and make it uh, so that there's a big level change. Um, where you walk from the sidewalk to the street, um, that's called a curb ramp. And many places are missing curb ramps. So it requires someone to have to step down to, to go from the sidewalk to cross the street. And crossing the street can feel very unsafe. So I think safety comes into this a lot when you you see these barriers when when you uh, when people with disabilities encounter them it it, it really becomes an unsafe situation. Mm-hmm. Wow, thanks for um, going through all of those. Um, so 
You worked with the Metropolitan Planning Council to do a study specifically about walking and wheelability in Chicago. Yeah. I'd love to hear you talk about what you found. Yeah, definitely. So this was a great partnership between the Metropolitan Planning Council and the Great Lakes ADA Center. And essentially, we wanted to conduct the study that I, I did similarly in nationwide, um, where we found that uh, many communities don't have what's called ADA transition plans. And it sounds like a a very technical word, but I kind of try to describe it as a barrier removal plan. But the degree to which communities have uh, made progress in that barrier removal mm-hmm. is, um, is, is one, unclear, uh, but two, from the, the data that we have, uh, that communities have collected, it, it appears that it's a, nearly half of the infrastructure is inaccessible or nearly half of the infrastructure has barriers. So that's what we found nationally. We wanted to repeat it with the Metropolitan Planning Council locally. And we found that very similar um, rates uh, where um, I think it was about 11% of the 208 communities, I think, around the Chicago area um, had what this barrier removal plan called an ADA transition plan. Um, and then that the quality of those plans really varied, right? So if you think about, you know, what what makes a good plan, right? It's a plan that um, involves the public. Uh, it's a plan that sets out a schedule uh, that notes who's going to do what and when it's going to happen, when these barriers are going to be removed, um, and then uh, has some kind of accountability, right, of, of monitoring and, and noting when things are going to be improved. Um, but what we found is that many of those plans really were all over the place in terms of quality. You know, I, I think to kind of look from the, the local government side, it's a pretty tricky situation that they're in or a situation that in some ways a lot of them would like to avoid. Mm. And I think that's, you know, perhaps the stance that, that people have taken because there's this fear that if you start to address it, if you start to think about the ADA, if you start to collect data on barriers, then it's going to open you up to lawsuits. Um, and, and lawsuits are a real thing. The city of New Orleans is an example. They had a data, they had a plan, and then they sat on it. They didn't do anything for 10 years. In 20, I think 2020, 2021, they had a lawsuit. A judge ruled that you guys are not doing anything. You know, we're going to make you put up a lot of money up front right now and uh, work towards removing barriers. So you're talking, I mean, you've you've mentioned several lawsuits at this point. That that sounds like, you know, that's the penalty. Like, that's what happens when cities don't invest in this and and do it up front. It's kind of like apologizing later as opposed to asking for permission first. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What else? What are other repercussions to cities? I mean, and and are are those not good enough incentives? Yeah, I I would think that they would be. You know, Um, I think somehow many cities just, just think it won't happen to them in a way. Um, but, you know, I, I would say that lawsuits have really been the, the, the main way that these plans and that barrier removal has happened. And in some ways, the main driver of success for communities becoming more accessible. Um, and then what happens is the, the communities around that city that got sued are like, oh, I don't, I don't want that to happen to us. And, and then they start to, you know, do some work towards development of that plan. It's a ripple effect. It's a ripple effect. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of advocating, um, just going to state the obvious that winter is coming. Yeah. Snow, yeah. I think, is... is uh, May is, happen anytime. Yeah, it may yeah. happen any moment. <laughs> yeah. And there is a push 
for the city of Chicago to be responsible for clearing the sidewalks of snow as opposed to like individual residents, business owners. Um, Can you talk about how this factors in here? Has there been any movement on this? Do you know? Yeah. No, I've been trying to follow a little bit. This is a campaign by Better Streets Chicago and Access Living, a joint campaign that they're trying to use examples of other cities that are doing some of this. I, I think they mentioned like Wilmette and um, Toronto, where the city is, is taking a more active um, responsibility for clearing the snow. And I think, you know, the city likely thinks this is a very daunting task, yeah. right? Uh, but I think with um, a pilot, you could really see how might this work, right? And and learn ways that, that other cities, test out ways that other cities are doing that and have some evidence that, that could support you know, clearing the snow because um, people need to get to work. People with and without disabilities need to use the sidewalk infrastructure uh, and do so safely. Yeah. If a person is feeling so moved uh, by this conversation or just really starting to think about this a little bit differently, yeah. like I was when, yeah. I, when I started to come across your research um, and they want to get involved in, in making their area more walkable and wheelable, mm-hmm. what What would you suggest? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, contacting your local government is a great first step to find out where they're at. Um, You could reference our report, which is on our Great Lakes ADA website, to know if your community has a plan. And then you could start to work to advocate for creating a plan. And one of the key, another project that we're working on in our center is related to uh, a crowdsourcing tool called Project Sidewalk, which we're deploying in the Chicago area with lots of different partners where we're trying to collect data on accessibility. It's a virtual crowdsourcing tool. So speaking of winter, this is a great activity that involves mapping and labeling um, what Google Street View imagery and noting where there are barriers and where there is uh, accessible uh, sidewalks and curb ramps and infrastructure. And this data is going to be directly used for improving the infrastructure. Great. Well, thank you so much for your work. Yochai Eisenberg is Assistant Professor of Disability and Human Development at the University of Illinois at Chicago College of Applied Health Sciences. He's also a researcher at the Great Lakes ADA Center. Yochai, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Erin. And that's it for the rundown today. We'll be back bright and early tomorrow morning. I'm Erin Allen. Talk to you then.